Welcome back to another episode of On the Road Again, Winchester's podcast from Nerds and Beyond. Um, as usual, I'm Jules. I'm a content assistant and editor here at Nerds and Beyond. And this week, I, I mean, I feel like there's so much to unpack here. The the writers were really doing doing their worst this week <laughs> in terms of connections to the mothership. Uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say there were a couple parallels that really knocked us for a loop. Uh, so we, we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about our lovely Carlos and Lata, who we adore so much, and the twists and turns that are hopefully leading us into our end game uh, for the season, which I don't know about you guys, but I feel like my theories are <laughs> my theories are all gone now. My theories have been gone for for a while. I feel like <laughs> I'm just here. I'm just along for the ride at this point. I I don't know what's going on, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the John and Mary of it all is a lot. And we're definitely going to get into it. Uh, Kennedy has a rant all ready to go. So we're going to we're gonna eagerly await that rant. So why don't we start on the lighter side with our buddy comedy duo, <laughs> Carlos and Lata. My little favorites. I love them so much. I don't know where to start. Uh, <laughs> That's so, so much of it was so good. A lot of what I remember was just how cute Lata looked in her little outfit. She was giving <laughs> Velma. From I thought Black. the exact same thing. Oh, my gosh. Her little headband. It was so cute. It was very cute. put together. Um, she always, Lata always manages though. to be put together despite <laughs> the circumstances. I think my favorite bit was her exploring more of her like a witchy side. Mm-hmm. I love watching anything to do with magic, obviously. So, mm-hmm. you know, we had Ada at first and then lots of, you know, learning some of it from Tony. And I really appreciate the back and forth of her you know, sort of boyfriend visiting her in her dreams and Carlos <laughs> teasing her about it. Um, but her kind of getting into the magic side because she's not she's not aerobic fighter. So I like that. I like that for her. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of Sam's arc in the original show. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like if you if you take off the the fighting side of Sam, if you split him into two different characters, which obviously you have to you know, spread some of the characteristics around because we have more characters in the show that are in the main cast. Um, I feel like that's really an interesting progression for her because we've seen her, you know, do the research and do all the medical stuff and smile over oozing arms and (laughs) more. (laughs) And now she's doing some magic. It's fun. I like it. It's, It's the witch that we always wanted in the hunter community. And it's really sweet. I I personally love their dynamics so much. Like whenever they have Lata and Carlos together, it just makes me so happy because they they kind of bring out the best in each other. Like Carlos really believes in Lata and her abilities. And she kind of convinces him that he can be serious and that he can show his emotions. And it's not silly to like want commitment or to want a relationship. Like it's not a bad thing to desire. So I, I loved this particular episode because you could really see the two of them bringing out the best in each other and honestly carlos calling her a dirty dozing tramp might be one of my favorite line readings from jojo this season like it was so cute it was delivered so perfectly and i love that lata was like no it's not about that unless it kind of is wink it was very cute good for lata i say their banter is my favorite which like carlos always has good banter with everyone but i think he and Lata always just bring out the funniest side of each other because you don't always see Lata making those like snippy comments the way that she does it, Carlos. So <laughs> I really enjoy when when they have that come out on screen. Lata's feisty. They they like to remind you of that sometimes every once in a mm-hmm. while. 
She is. She's a sassy lady. And I mean, I, what I love about her and what I've loved about her from the beginning is just how compassionate she is and how much she like really cares about like the people that they're helping. And you could really see that this week with Roxy and everything that she was doing, all of her magic to help her sort of forget what happened. Like, first of all, I love Bridget Reagan. I think she did a great job with this character and like for not having a lot of scenes like she really got you on her side pretty quickly. Like you, you really felt for her. And I liked the dynamic that she had with Lata and the way that she just decided like, no, like I want to remember, like this is a traumatic thing and it was a lot for me, but it's also a part of me. And if I try to get rid of those memories, like it's going to take away a fundamental part of who I am. I really liked that. And that's also, yeah, I mean, it draws a nice, yet another narrative parallel to, <laughs> to the original <laughs> or the way that it talks about trauma. I, yeah, I'm glad they had her decide to keep the memories as well, partly because, you know, it shows the growth of it and her wanting to kind of face it down and recover herself. But from the practical standpoint, can you imagine like having that erased and then suddenly your life is in shambles and you have no yes. idea why? Like, that's always the side of it that I think of where it's just like, this is just impractical to wake up and be like, oh, why is my girlfriend left me? Why do I have a job? What happened? <laughs> yeah, like something happened here, clearly. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, girl, you don't have an apartment. You don't have a job. You don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> like, are, how are you going to explain that away? Maybe Lata would have magicked something for her, done some kind of like spell on everyone else in town so that they also forgot what happened so that she could like get her job back. I don't know. Oh, I love plant false memories. I didn't think Ooh. about something like that. Ooh, that would be interesting. If she could maybe like just completely paper over a narrative instead of just taking them out. That and would be interesting. Feel like you left your job willingly and your girlfriend was mad. Just like a real <laughs> film of memory. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That didn't occur to me. Speaking of her girlfriend, I was, I think I just have trauma from the original show as always, <laughs> but I was surprised that they made her, surprised but like happy that they made her openly queer. I feel like we haven't seen, you know, a bunch of queer characters other than Carlos, who obviously is, you know, a mainstay in the show, but it was nice to have uh, some of that from the supporting cast. Yeah. And to add to that, you know, one thing that I have really loved about the Winchesters and its treatment of queer characters is that we're not always kind of being told like how scary it is to be queer in this time period or, oh, we have to hide like our relationship because like it's so easy for a period piece like this to really lean into that sense of fear but instead, like, there hasn't even been, like, a moment of hesitation. Like, Anton and Carlos have just gone on dates. Like, everyone in the friend group is, like, fully okay. Like, they don't even really mention it. It's just kind of like, oh, there's Carlos at it again. And kind of the same thing with Roxy. Like, she drops in the bit about her girlfriend and no one really says anything. Like, it's just kind of there. And I feel like that in some ways is more reflective of what it would have been like to just be a queer person in a group of affirming people in that time period. Like, obviously, homophobia was very much a real thing in the time. <laughs> like, like, it's not to say that historically people weren't struggling as like a whole, but there were also these little pods of acceptance everywhere. There always have been. So I really like that that's kind of the angle that they've been taking with the show so far is making more characters queer and also not having their entire journey be about that queerness. It's an aspect of them, but it's not all of them. I think it also speaks to how they write Lata and Carlos as characters. Like they are already 
there for Roxy and are being understanding and are trying to help her. So she felt comfortable just giving mm-hmm. them that information versus hiding it or just leaving that part out or, oh, my relationship ended and leaving it at that. Like she felt comfortable with these characters that we know are accepting. Mm-hmm. So that felt like a big, a big part of it too, which I really like. Yeah. And again, it's a part of Roxy, but it's mm-hmm. not the most interesting part of Roxy. And it's not even the point of the scene. Like, it's just kind of a detail that she adds in the same way that she lost her job, she lost her girlfriend. It's just another thing that's there. But it just makes the world feel so much richer and it makes it feel so much more accurate to what life would have been like and what life still is like. Yeah, I really like how they, not that they like didn't make it a big deal. I mean, I just think that a lot of times in media, like you see like these huge, like traumatic coming out scenes. And I love that, you know, these queer characters journeys haven't been, like you were saying, Jules, like it, it's not completely centered around, like that's not all of their identity. Mm-hmm. These are, you know, real people, full characters who obviously that's a part of them and an important part of them, but it's not being made all about that. We still get to get to know them as fully fleshed out people. And so I, I really enjoyed the way they did that. Yeah, their trauma is unrelated to their sexuality. <laughs> all of their traumas based on something else. I mean, even Carlos, like, as far as we know, we haven't been told that Carlos's parents a were aware of his sexuality or disapproved or anything like that the only thing we know about them is that they were extremely supportive of his music career and like really loved him and he came from a supportive environment so that was another opportunity where they could have said oh his traumas that he's like running away from like his abusive family that like you know is homophobic or whatever and they chose not to do that they chose to have him have a loving and supportive family so his trauma came from having them attacked and killed by ghouls as opposed to like you know actual homophobia so a little bit of a twist there, I guess. One other interesting part about this before we move on to Kyle's storyline for the episode is that this also kind of gives us an interesting way of getting rid of memories that we didn't necessarily have before. And the reason I find it interesting is because obviously at a certain point, we do have to kind of look at the canon contradiction that supposedly in original canon, John had no idea about hunting about any of this right like he's in pretty deep now like he's he's fully aware of hunting and the men of letters and everything else so we've all kind of had this thought since the show premiered like how are they going to have him not remember anymore and certainly one of those theories is that this is an alternate universe and blah 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 blah. like we all know we've heard me talk about it but one of the other kind of popular theories is that at some point he has to have his mind wiped in a way in order to get rid of these memories. And so I just find it a little interesting that we've now had this this storyline where we now know that Lata can do this spell, that she can get rid of memories if she needs to. So food for thought, maybe. I'm scared because they dropped it in (laughs) in like, not an innocuous way, but it wasn't really heavy handed, but I feel like there's a lot of those little details that are going to start coming around any moment now. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I think one of... not just mine but a lot of people's fears coming into this show was like there's gonna be like a cop-out at the end just like it was all a dream or now we're just erasing everything to set it right so I don't if they did that I feel like they would have a good reason I think that it would be layered but at the same time there's still that that fear lurking in the back of my mind I agree it just feels like it would be too easy I wonder if maybe they they might have even put it in there as like a red herring, like for all of us to be like, oh, 
they have a memory wiping spell. Like this must be how like the season's going to end or whatever. Like I could see them doing that too, because they know how deep we, <laughs> how deep we take everything. They do. Deep? What? <laughs> and then our other big storyline of the episode, before we kind of get to the Mary and John and the parallels of it all uh, is with Kyle and the Akrita. So now we know that the Akrita know about Dean. They may not know who he is, but they know about him. And also, I have to say, I love the mental image of Dean essentially stalking this group of youngsters around Lawrence so much so that the Akrita were like, who is this guy that keeps stalking these kids? <laughs> Why is he helping them? What's so important about it? So I just like the idea of baby like creeping along behind. <laughs> their van everywhere they go like trying to figure out what's going on i kind of wish they had shown it now that there were little like sneak peeks of baby in the background that we just don't know about although not that i have bothered i was gonna say i might (laughs) i I might other people would have noticed that's true like hey i know that car in the background sort of thing i rely on tumblr to notice these things for me because they almost always do yeah i'm in the i'm in the group as far as kyle goes where i didn't feel a shred of bad about him getting stabbed. Kyle's just an innocent kid who is now dead because he looked at a pretty girl once. And logically, I know that, but yet my heart didn't care. I felt absolutely nothing when that man died. I'm sorry. Like, not a single emotion. Annoyed with him because now John's going to be in jail. It's not Kyle. It's the Akrita inside Kyle. It's It's his fault. It's its fault. John going to jail is John's fault because John was being very stupid in that moment, which we will get into. We will get into how stupid John was in that moment. But I have to say, I've been saying it since the beginning. I love Ryan McCartan when he's really unhinged and he can play unhinged characters very well. And I love a good villain speech, as anyone who knows me knows. So that whole scene where he's like, and let me tell you just how screwed you are. Like, I really like that scene. (laughs) And I like the way that he can just kind of like raise an eyebrow and be like, like he was very mustache twirly. And I kind of like watching him chew the scenery like that. I like also that they made it at the garage. Like it was a very intentional choice as to where to confront John. And also mm-hmm. just kind of added to the creep factor of like the lighting that you're going to get in a garage anyway. It's like the overhead <laughs> light, really dramatic. I, yeah. I didn't see it. as far as the story goes. I don't. Did y'all see anything like that coming? Because I didn't. I like gasped when he stabbed himself. <laughs> what is happening right now? The second I saw him in the garage, I knew Kyle was a goner. I just didn't quite know what the what the angle was, like what they were going to try to do. I think it's very interesting that their plan is let's put him in jail instead of let's kill him. But like, what do I know? <laughs> I just but then that like would mess up the timeline, move. Kennedy. That would mess up everything. The Akrita don't care about the timeline. What do <laughs> the Akrita care? They're already messing stuff up anyway. But they need him alive because they need Dean needs to have a reason to go like rescue him. I'm sorry, I don't know if the that's Akrita confirmed or don't anything. Need him alive. But... The writers need him alive. <laughs> yeah, from the standpoint of the Akrita, it was an odd choice. It makes no sense. <laughs> we don't know what their actual end game is though guys like there could be additional aspects to this plan that we don't understand yet jules is convinced that the creed know who dean is and i'm like that also <laughs> i'm not I'm fully convinced okay, i'm not fully convinced that they know who pretty he is. convinced you were I did not largely say that. convinced yes you did <laughs> i said i thought it was weird that they didn't know who he was i didn't say that, that i thought that they said. did she's yes, changing that's her absolutely story guys. what i said <laughs> 
That is absolutely what I said. Go back to my live tweets, Kennedy. I literally made a tweet about it. I'm not talking about your live tweets. I'm talking about 20 minutes before we started recording this <laughs> podcast. That's the exact opposite. Of what I want said. them to know who he is, but I don't know that they do. I'm not convinced of that. I'm not as hung up on that as I am on my multiverse theory. That's the one that I will. That's the hill that I'll die on. I need you guys to know that both Kennedy and I are shaking our heads at now. <laughs> they always shake their heads at me. You guys don't get to see that gold whenever I go on one of my little tangents and they're both just ugh, just shaking their heads at me. I don't know. I'm interested it's a synchronized to see head movement on my screen. I know. <laughs> there was some synchronized head movement on that one. <laughs> I just like that everyone's looking for Dean. Everyone's trying to find Dean Winchester. The yeah, Akita, like I said, I love... I love Jensen for making Dean the central <laughs> connecting character <laughs> in a show that is not about Dean Winchester. But it's about the Winchesters. <laughs> That's hence the title. They didn't tell us which Winchesters. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all the Winchesters. It's every Winchester ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 frightened for, for our friend John, especially because like from what we've heard, the kid had a rap sheet before any of this ever started happening. So I'm sure local Which, law enforcement will be thrilled about this. Can you have a rap sheet when you're a juvenile, though? Doesn't that get closed I mean, once you're an adult or something? I don't know the Not law. necessarily. It depends on, like, what state you're in know. and yeah. time period. The severity and, of your yeah. Is this Is this the real reason he ran away to join the army? Probably. If I had to guess. Well, I want to know. We still don't know, like, what he actually did. I mean, I committed a I crime. Know. I proposed to a woman. I think I'll run away to the <laughs> army. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's a difference between, oh, like being a troublemaker when you're a kid and like maybe trashing someone's property or did like, did he like beat some people up? Like, did they end up in the hospital? That's the only thing I can think of that would be a basis for like, oh, they'll believe that you like literally killed me because it's one thing to like trespass and tip cows like i was joking about last week but it's another to murder somebody i just feel like that's a big jump i have a feeling he probably got in some fights like i think he got into like some physical altercations because like even millie was kind of like when they were talking about like oh like john's past like i think if he had just been like you know shoplifting or something like i think she would have had a different attitude about it but like you said it has to be believable that he would escalate to stabbing a man in his garage (laughs) like it has to be like yeah, I think he definitely got into some kind of physical fight or hurt somebody. I just really, I feel like it has to be someone got seriously hurt because I mean, like even fights like as a teenager at school or something like that. I mean, like, yeah, that can be used as a basis of like maybe quote unquote violent behavior. But I think that's different. Like it's on a different scale of what's, I don't know. We'll we'll see, I suppose. <laughs> I have a funny feeling next week based on the promo, we're going to learn an awful lot about <laughs> john's past from before i hope so because they've kind of kept it in the dark i I would like a good portion of an episode dedicated to who he was before we met him thus far and speaking of john and his state of mind uh and his thoughts on the world we got to get into the main storyline this episode with john and mary just so many parallels so many things that just physically hurt uh (laughs) to see on screen um, I mean, I, I liked the villain of the week. I think um, it was fun to see. I, I literally don't know this poor man's real name, so I'm just going to keep calling him Mr. Sheffield. But to see like that kind of a guest actor of his caliber show up was pretty cool. Um, I very much enjoyed the fight scenes as unrealistic as they were. <laughs> um, I still enjoyed them. 
But yeah, I mean, we learn a lot about their personalities this week, don't we? We do. But before we (laughs) go into talking about them, I just want to um, have another. This was an unrealistic medical thing going on this week because (laughs) Jules was getting the brunt of me like messaging her about this because I couldn't watch live. So I was watching late and she was like, I knew you were going to bring this up. Is reasoning his logic with the whole like Akrita claw i don't even know what you would call it extraction made absolutely no sense he flips john around he's like yeah just make an incision here pointing to the middle of his neck and it's like yeah and they're like the the stingers are rooted in the basal ganglia so i just kind of like take them out. the basal ganglia are in the middle of your brain guys if you didn't know that <laughs> i am a psych minor and a biology major and if this is it's pinging on my radar it made me very angry and on one level i was just like yeah i mean like i guess the reasoning kind of makes sense because that area of the brain like does deal with like executive control and you know the a creator taking over your body but i couldn't it, it burned me up a little bit as you can probably tell <laughs> i i just couldn't let it go without mentioning that at least once because we're two for two with that in the cpr so <laughs> I mean, he's a little bit of a mad scientist, so it would make sense that maybe he didn't have the firmest grasp on how to how to actually do this. Because did he he didn't even say he'd ever been successful, right? Like this was like he was going to go for this, but he was never just done a working theory. Yeah. I so it's not even like he, he knew. I thought he said he had managed to do it before. Or did he say he was close? Well, that's he, when he was when he was he lying to them. When he was Uh-oh. like, "Oh yeah, totally, I know how to do this." Like, yeah, I he was like, "It was... won't, it won't hurt them at all." I was like, "Girl, that's in the center of your brain. It will <laughs> hurt. In fact, it will in fact hurt." Anyway, yeah, he... rant over. Sorry to all the viewers <laughs> who don't care. It, 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 it I enjoyed the sciencey side because me, as a general viewer in that capacity, did not know exactly where that portion of the brain was. So now it's like, mm, don't you need a needle to get up? up in there or something (laughs) that did not occur to me at all yeah i mean that didn't jump out at me as much because i was still hung up on the bad cpr so i didn't even notice the the brain findings as much (laughs) but yeah no i mean he was a good villain though i i very much enjoyed his his plotting and how you never really quite knew what was going on with him that was kind of fun but yeah from a science perspective a wee bit wee bit off when he and came like- on the screen, like at first, and they came in the bunker, and all this stuff was like organized, and there was tea out. I was like, "They have a Mrs. Butters." That was the first thing that I was very <laughs> wrong, but I that would have been very fun. funny. I think that would have been great if they had one. I thought the same thing too. I was just so sure, and then with the British accent, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's like a like a butler, like they would have thought should be that way in the you know, <laughs> or whenever the clubhouse was made." That's that's on the list for season two. We'll we'll put that on the writer's room wish list for season two. <laughs> I mean, talking about the villain and stuff, the fight scene was absolutely, like, some of it was hilarious. Some of it was very funny. Kudos to them for finding a human being taller than Drake Roger to <laughs> to fight him. <laughs> that was great. Um, Mary's final kill, shutting the door on the golem's head. That was something. That was, that was certainly a kill. I want to shout out the, uh, I just love when John gets in fight, just his little quips that he makes in between just getting his butt kicked. Always. Just like, oh, that hurt. Or, oh, this, you know, he always makes these little comments and it just cracks me up. I don't know if those are written or that's just Drake improving those little moments, but God, they crack me up so much. I always think it's funny to see 
semi-incompetent John and very <laughs> irritated that he cannot keep up Mary because <laughs> she is quite literally like strapped to a table and she's like you just have to get the scroll out of his mouth and meanwhile he's getting like tossed around the room <laughs> like a rag doll Mary's like uh once again I gotta do this myself gets herself undone from the like restraints on the table and ends up taking out the golem like herself. black widows her way up that thing's back <laughs> scroll Mary five foot one Winchester versus <laughs> all of these yeah. huge creatures and she always wins I love that <laughs> I will say I like I like them revisiting the golem because we didn't see that but a couple of times in OG Supernatural. So that was interesting to have that brought back in because as far as, you know, we know Mary and John haven't seen that. Well, we know John hasn't, but Mary didn't seem like she knew about the scroll either. But that was kind of my first thought of like why they had the mask on. It was like, oh, the scroll. Get the scroll. Scroll. <laughs> yeah, I think Aaron's golem was the only one we really saw, right? In the whole nazi subplot of seasons eight and ten and isn't that too i could be misremembering this so feel free to call me out if i am because you know i'm sure you will anyway but i thought when he was when um john was fighting and he was like oh my spleen i thought that was a reference to to dean right didn't dean say something similar i thought at some point i do i could be making that up we'll see but <laughs> I thought that was a it reference. It sounds like a Dean comment. I feel yeah, like I, I need more con- context for, for one single <laughs> line. I don't know. It just it, it, it called out to me as a Dean-specific line, and I thought that it was something that I remembered him saying. But According to IMDb, he did say this in Everybody Hates Hitler. So, congrats. Hey, there it is. There right. we go. Well done, Drake. <laughs> I bet he could have told us. Oh, Drake would absolutely, Drake probably wrote it in. That was probably his contribution. That's what it was. It was ad lib. Every day we come on this podcast and embarrass ourselves about not knowing about the show (laughs) that we are currently making a podcast about. Not every day, just once a week. Yeah. Sometimes we have thoughts as well. Like sometimes we have good thoughts. Every once in a while. We're actually going to get into one of those good thoughts, are we not? Yeah, we are definitely going to get into one of those good thoughts because Kennedy has a rant prepared. So just to preface it by saying that um, I think anyone who went into this show thinking that it was going to be sort of a John apologist sort of painting over his flaws sort of show uh, have been proven very wrong because I think this writer's room has an active (laughs) hate towards future John Winchester and every choice that they've made so far is to show us how heartbreaking and weird his life trajectory was. So Kennedy, I'm going to, I'm going to let you take this one (laughs) going forward. The narrative parallels that you saw that you wrote this lovely note on the outline about. Well, let me start off by saying just absolutely nasty work in the writer's room this week. (laughs) It was so uncalled for. Like so many, so many things, but they really came for us. They did. It hurt. Like it was. What was in the water? In I don't know. (laughs) Something that really stuck out to me was um, the suspension of Dorothea's like body by Jack, which I'm still. Jules like and Brianna tried to kind of explain to me. I think I'm my brain's just not comprehending. Like that poor woman did not do anything. Like. her but (laughs) um the way that jack like suspended dorothy's body in time like 
was it really really stood out to me in terms of parallels because in a way not in a physical way but um more in a metaphorical way john kind of ends up doing the exact same thing with mary but in memory rather than mm-hmm. like physically suspending and like preserving her body and i mean we've said i've said so many times like this creates like so many issues down <laughs> the line i think so we many all daddy issues <laughs> so the tagline of the show honestly um but when when john like freezes mary in the past and kind of keeps her memory alive by only promoting and talking about like the most idyllic version of her possible um he creates kind of that unifying cause that dean in particular i mean we see it with sam but i think obviously dean a little bit more because he was he was old enough to remember his mom mm-hmm. when when she died um even if it wasn't like a lot he he in particular finds it so hard to like get out from under that cause because john has like drilled that in their heads like it becomes a part of their identity and they have obviously have trouble like shaking that off when they you know find his old they're kind of lost for a while until you know the new story arc starts and even when mary does eventually come back sam and dean again mostly dean kind of have trouble accepting her as a real flesh and blood person which again gone into extensively um but that was i feel like that wasn't immediately obvious like i think it took me like seeing for some reason like her body like falling off of the table <laughs> i was i don't know why that was it but i was like hmm. just like particularly disturbing i will say it was she was uh, it was creepy but that i don't know there you go and also too like the the concept of using mary and john as vessels really like as bodies to mm-hmm. carry out this story this love story that they wouldn't feel like right like when like when they were saying like oh yeah you'll both still be in there but like it'll be us two who are like you know kind of running the show it's like that's exactly what ends up happening like god or the angels or whoever hijacks their lives to make this perfect love story because they need sam and dean to exist so it's like even on that level the idea of losing that agency losing control over your feelings and your destiny and they explored that with Roxy earlier in the episode too, like losing control of who you are, like some fundamental part of you. Like, yikes! They really, <laughs> they were not being subtle about this at all. It reminded me a lot of when Dean gets taken over by Michael and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded me of that and how he's, you know, kind of struggled with it. Probably that's not a storyline. Yeah, no, I was literally just going to say that's the storyline that I wish that we would have had a little bit more time with on the original show was kind of like the ramifications of that. Because, I mean, they all had times where they were possessed for like extended periods by various <laughs> by various creatures. <laughs> and they never really took the time like they couldn't, obviously, because you're trying to move plot along, whatever. But like I would have taken like half of a, like an entire half of a season of just dealing with like the psychological ramifications of that because I find it very interesting. What do you mean, Jules? We don't have feelings on this show. We just stuff them down. Everything's fine. We're not traumatized at all. Oh, I yeah. Everyone on the Winchesters needs therapy just as much as everybody on Supernatural needed therapy. <laughs> they all do. This is kind of off the point, the main point, but when they were initially having him talk about how he was going to take the consciousness of Dorothea and put it into Mary, all I could think of was like, Imagine Dorothea waking up in this young body and not understanding what he had done. Like, can mm-hmm. you imagine? I can't imagine anyone being okay with that. 
Well, and again, it's taking away someone else's agency, somebody yeah. else's choice, because at no point is it like Dorothea wrote in a letter like, oh, hey, if somebody ever kills me, keep my body in suspended animation and then bring me back years later. Like, who? she probably just like was cool with being dead. Like, he's doing this for himself. He's not doing it for her. And like you said, like, she'd probably be horrified at the idea that he took somebody else's body. Like, that's a terrifying thing to do without someone's permission. And now she's stuck with this guy. Like, she can't escape Mary's body. It's not like she could leave if she wanted to. There'd be no way out for her. Yeah, I mean, it was just... First of all, I don't even think she knew, like, that her husband was, like, X-Men of Letters or whatever. But I think, like, Jack was just another parallel for kind of who John becomes in the future Mm -hmm. or how we know him. I mean, like, obviously he like there was something going on mentally like i think the grief just kind of drove him insane i mean Mm -hmm. like you said i I personally would not want to wake up after (laughs) allegedly in my mind being killed and i'm stuck in this situation like that's not actually what's best for her and i mean mary basically hit that nail on the head when and we have thoughts tm and Mm -hmm. i'm sure everyone else does (laughs) with that quote saying john just was like wow the lengths that people would go to for love and like longingly looks at her and i was like dude like what are you talking about incorrect wrong lesson wrong lesson (laughs) i love that they had mary be so horrified by it like we kind of almost do get to see dorothea's reaction in mary who's like Mm -hmm. no that's not that's not love at all yeah the quote exactly if you want to get your feelings hurt again which you are i'm gonna say it regardless of what you want dear listeners um (laughs) It's not love. Jack was only thinking of himself, what he wanted. It didn't matter if it cost him his humanity to get it. That'll never be us, right? Winks directly at camera. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Breaks fourth wall. But yeah, you're right. Like I, I, It was so fascinating to me how the initial reaction by John was like, that this is the wrong thing to like is it was the wrong thing for him to do this but i understand why like i can understand conceptually how he got there and mary is like that's the most horrifying thing i can think of like and, and the fact that she says it so directly and she said this a few times this season with different things that he does where she's like that's not love that's not love she kind of calls it out like the fact that in that moment she is literally saying to him essentially if i die don't do this and he still does like that makes it all the more tragic to know where they ended up and it makes me angrier at john because it's like you knew like you guys have talked about this you've seen these things happen in your lives you understand how she feels and you still couldn't let her just rest like you had to do everything that you did like i oh it was like such a moment where you like you you know that the writers understand these characters and their arcs and i think i've never seen some a group of writers write mary so well as they have on this show like i think watching her young like this and watching her with these writers you understand her motivations and where she's coming from so much more than we did on the original show and part of that's just because she's an older person in supernatural she's has a lot of different stuff to deal with she's being brought back to life like there was other things that they were exploring with that character but i just feel like in terms of like consistency and the way that she's talked about life and hunting and everything this season i've really enjoyed how they've written her and it makes me really sad for what happens to future her it's kind of baffling to me honestly because i think like more obviously like mary 
Mary has been, I mean, we always say like Mary is Dean. Mary is the one who hasn't been in control of the direction that her life has been. She's been thrown into the life of hunting and Mm -hmm. she more than anyone, you know, feels, you know, like she doesn't have autonomy over her own life and her own being and all of that. But I think that it's really interesting because I feel like John feels like that in obviously a very different way, but he feels very lost like the life he was supposed to have was ripped away from him because henry was ripped away from him at a young age so to me even though those two situations manifest themselves very differently in how they act and how they've lived their lives i feel like they both still have that base of like i'm not in control of what has happened Mm -hmm. to me and what has continued to happen to me so it's even more difficult for me to understand why like john would look at this situation know his own past know what mary has been through and then this you know this that has just played out and in the future be just completely ignore that i mean obviously it's terrible to lose people but he's in the life as a hunter he's been in the army he's lost people in his personal life and i'm not saying that you you know get used to that you never get used to losing Mm -hmm. people but to do something so like drastic as this after all of that is just like inconceivably like it's just mind-boggling to me i i don't get it i really don't but it's also their mindsets too like john very much has a victim mindset towards like life like he is very like what was me i lost my dad i have all had all these bad things happen to me like he kind of sees hunting as like a way out of like his life which like i understand but like everything that happens to john it's like oh this is like just like life altering this is like the end of everything and i look at mary and despite everything that she's been through, she's fighting for her agency constantly. She's standing firm and wanting to leave hunting someday. She is, she stands up to her dad, like she, before all this kicked off. Like we know that she had a conversation with her parents about leaving hunting. Like she took that step for herself, which is a scary step and a scary thing to do. And then in this episode, which like this, this comparison, the second I saw it made me go absolutely feral. And you two are gonna, like, I'm sure you have the same thought. But when we saw that college acceptance letter, like Mary applied to college and she got in like she she was ready to leave. Like she is ready to leave. She has gotten to that place where she's making these positive changes. And it parallels so nicely with in the final episode of Supernatural, we see that John, that John, oh, my God, that Dean has a job application on his desk before he dies so like before he kind of quote unquote fulfills his destiny and dies on this hunt he's trying to get out too i don't know i just when i look at the characters of mary and john together it's like yes they both have been through a lot yes they've both experienced loss yes they've both been exposed to violence at a young age and anger when you look at what mary does with that versus what john does with that it's just such a it's such an important character difference there it <laughs> is like crickets <laughs> I mean, I I was trying to even come up with something to follow that, but I mean, that's exactly every thought I had about it too. I mean, and it just makes it all the more painful because you know, you know her endings and it's like she's dreaming and she's hoping and she's making all these plans and you know, they never happen. So it was just, I lo- I, I think it was a parallel to Dean with his job application, but it also just felt like a stab to the heart. <laughs> multiple stabs to the heart yeah there was a lot this episode so much was just very painful anytime they do any like future referencing to like them wanting to you know 
when I grow up, I want to be this thing, you know, any kind of dreaming like that, knowing in so few years, they get so much taken is just, it's always painful. Yeah. Well, especially because we've grown to like them, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or at least, you know, in John's case, younger John, I do genuinely like, like he just feels more lost and he's just a little bit like, like you could, you sense that like, maybe there's a way to put him on the right path, you know? So like, you kind of feel like I feel bad for him in a way, but like Mary, I, I mean, you guys obviously know this. I've always been kind of a Mary defender. Like I enjoyed the character in the original Supernatural. I found her interesting, but like this younger Mary, like I just feel very protective over, like I want her to go to school and I want her to have a life and I want her to be able to escape hunting because she wants that. And she's making so many steps to make that happen. And like, I feel the way about her that I used to feel about Dean very often where it was just like, I just want all the good things to happen to this character. Like, I just want something to go right for her. And I want her to be able to get out and leave this and just, yeah, just knowing that she won't, or at least knowing that she won't, like, in the original canon, we'll see on this show. But, yeah. Mary is so, like, this Mary that we've seen is so, not necessarily stubborn. I mean, she's kind of stubborn and hard-headed, but she's very Mm -hmm. set. Like, when she makes a plan, she does it. So the fact that she wants to get out and wants to go to college, I'm interested to see what they're going to have happen that keeps her from doing it. Because so far she's followed through on like everything she wanted to do. She found her father. Like she's in the process of defeating the Akrita. Like they're very close to that. So I don't want to say it, but I kind of think it's going to be John. John's the thing that keeps her from doing college. John's the thing that keeps her from living the life that she could have lived. And we, I mean, we see her hesitating. There's a mm-hmm. number of times because where, of, like, because of John, like, you kind of see her being mm, like, do I want to leave? Do I want to do this or that? Like, uh, it will really John make him have, like, found himself in hunting to a yeah. point. So I don't see him giving it up very willingly. Because what is he going to do if he stays hunting and Mary goes to college? How does that dynamic work? Like, I don't know. I could just see her foregoing it for him. Yeah. I mean, like, I think Jules said it in the past if mary gets out of hunting she's cutting all ties like it, yeah if john is still in the life and she's trying to go off and do something different like that is not going to work and i mean we've seen so many times it was demonstrated in that one episode with like the family friend like the life pulls you back in you can't give it a chance to let it suck you back in and so i don't know i i <laughs> I feel like Jules probably has thoughts on this. John has been making a lot of seemingly innocent poking jokes about like, ah, you just want to leave me behind and find mm-hmm. some cute Letterman wearing guy, Campbell, don't you? And I'm like that. I know it's supposed to be a joke, but in a way it, it feels kind of malicious because he knows how hard that yeah. she's worked to get out of this. And he understand. I <laughs> John's a selfish character. Like, we know this. Like, he's very selfish, and we've seen that play out. And even his reaction to what Jack did, like, again, like, he didn't pick up on the selfishness of that. <laughs> like, he didn't really think no, that he, ideal- he idealized it. He, he idealized it. it. Yeah. Yeah, he understood the impulse way more than he should have. Like, he should, like, Mary, on the other hand, identified with, I think, more like Dorothea. Like, she was looking at that character and being like, oh, no, like, that's who I see. My thought on a lot of this and i wonder if this is potentially where we're going is that you know dean obviously went back in time for a reason we know that he messed with things we don't quite know why 
my working theory has been for a little while that he wanted to give his parents a happy ending somehow. And so maybe part of this, this her applying to college, her doing all of these things, I wonder if maybe in the like an original timeline where Dean doesn't mess with anything, maybe she doesn't do that. Like maybe she isn't trying so hard to get out of hunting. Maybe like that part of things doesn't happen as much. I don't know. So I I, I hope that <laughs> I hope that in the end they let them be happy, like somehow, like they can make it so that it's not that their original fates aren't their fates in this show. But I don't well, know. I'm scared. This is controversial, but I would like them to be happy, even if that means away from each other. Oh, I know yeah. That that's like, oh, yeah. If we're in the same. I, I feel like a lot of people do not agree with that. I'm just things are just I, I still so like that because details. of my whole like theory that this could be apocalypse world in the making where they're yeah <laughs> Brianna he accidentally like, splits his parents up basically and oh, look they were never born oh like a reverse parent trap like yeah, the opposite. <laughs> I don't know I, I yeah I just want them to be happy like you said I don't really care especially that they're with each other I mean I think do I think like Drake and Meg have good chemistry and like I can understand why John and Mary fall for each other. Yeah. yeah. Like they're, they're yeah, like I understand that, but I also think that both of them would be happier with other people. I think Mary Winchester should get the chance to be Mary Campbell should get the chance to be single at college. I think she should date the kid in the letterman jacket. Like I think that should be totally fine if she wants that, if that's something she's interested in. Well, I feel like their personalities are just growing further and further apart. Like mm-hmm. as the season progresses, like they're kind of even turning into foils of each other, like in yeah. my mind. So I don't know. I feel like that's reasonable direction to go. And if this isn't the same world, I it's completely possible that they don't end up together for a myriad of reasons. So I don't know. On a on a less depressing note, I would love to see what Mary put on her college application. Like, what? what? She's got no plan of like she's general studies. She's been hunting. Like, uh, kudos to her if she's had time for school, man. Like, uh, I know, right? I mean, I guess maybe maybe college was easier to get into in that time period because like not everyone was going to college. But I mean, still, like, there were yeah, less good for her. Options. <laughs> I want to know what her college essay was. <laughs> Maybe well, she's her hero is that she wrote about. It's just a metaphor, quote unquote. It's, it's oh, fictional. She's going to school for creative writing. They're like, oh wow, like what an amazing creative writing essay you have here about hunting supernatural creatures. She's like, you bet, you bet this is fictional. Her book series is is what inspires Chuck to write supernatural. <laughs> it's there canon. You heard it first here, guys. Mary's secretly an author. Well, I think on this on this section, on this note, we should simply leave it in the words of Dean Winchester himself, which was, how far would you go for your happy ending? I feel like we're about to get hit with some serious, serious stuff in these last couple episodes. I think that that sentence is going to be key to a lot of it. And something else to kind of take us into mixtape corner, which is going to be very, very short this week, uh, that also felt ominous, which is that this is the only episode this season where we didn't have a song used. Obviously, you know, we had the title references a song, but the, there was no extra song in the episode. It was all just the score, which I don't know which one of you wrote this on the outline. <laughs> but one of you wrote, and I feel an impending sense of doom in this chilies tonight. It was me. That is my favorite meme to use. <laughs> <laughs> Pam from the office accepting her Dundee 
and I feel God in this chilies tonight. Except <laughs> it's and I feel an impending sense of doom in you're this, this chilies tonight. tonight. You know, it's not often that I get reminded that you're a part of Gen Z, Kennedy, but like when you put things like this on the outline, <laughs> I do remember. <laughs> but yeah, no- nothing good comes from the fact that we had no songs in this episode. Uh, maybe there, or maybe Elton John just totally wiped them out. And so now they're trying to conserve going into the last few episodes. Completely plausible, if we're being honest. Um, <laughs> the army scenes almost didn't make it. Maybe we should blame Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> just retroactively blame elton john for everything anything else that looks even mildly like cheaper <laughs> anything elton john's fault ah. they didn't think they were gonna get that song and then they got approved and we're like oh no the budget <laughs> oh no my budget it's broken um and then of course we have to go into the winchester stupid section because we have a couple I, I like that both of them are credited to one person because it's usually this one person. But do you want to do you want to take it away, Brianna? I mean, it's Winchester stupid for a reason because it's freaking John Winchester and his stupid stupid actions. This, this episode, it's all him. It's all him. Um, him fighting with the golem. You think we would put some things together that this creature might be, you know, stronger than your average person? <laughs> Something's a little off here, and then. We have Mary telling him about the scroll and to get the scroll out of the mouth. And what does he do? He does everything other than try to do anything with the guy's face. <laughs> he still just tries to physically overpower this creature that is larger than him in every sense of the way. <laughs> I also love that he, that Loki, if, if that was a real fight, he would have broken that spine no less than like four times. Oh that, yeah, no, he's done. They they kicked his butt like extra bad this time. This wasn't just slammed into a wall, just, like thrown upside down, <laughs> landing on his head. Um. Second thing for this episode was John running over to Kyle after he stabbed himself. Like, yes, let's kneel in the blood and get it all over our hands and grab the knife to try and (laughs) stop the bleeding. Like, I don't know how intense forensics were in the 70s, but I can imagine he's just incriminating himself with every single action he makes after Kyle stabs himself. No, (laughs) because look, there was a plausible case if he this made me so angry. I was like, what are you doing? There was, like, a plausible case to be made. Like, if he just hadn't put his, like, grubby prints all over the knife and, like, gotten blood all over himself. I mean, Kyle is significantly shorter than John A. So I think (laughs) we could, if realistically, and I'm not even a true crime girly, like, I feel like this is just straight logic. He would have to stab downward for him to stab Kyle. And Well, he he could have gone for an upwards angle. Like if he was that like it still if, would have been different. Kyle stabbed like straight yeah, on because went straight it around. So but Kyle, Kyle did one of these though. It wasn't like a full. I like that we're in this audio podcast currently gesturing as to how John was <laughs> how Kyle got stabbed. But like if he went kind of because Kyle went kind of up and like angled. So like I could see how maybe that that would have worked. I feel like somebody. the arc would have had to be more dramatic. But regardless of that. I like John and Kyle don't actually know each other. So and Kyle just like mysteriously like showed up to the garage. So if you would just not touch things like you love to do, as you proved last week with the mystical vampire amulet, like I think maybe this could have been explained away, perhaps uh, like this random man showed up at your mom's garage and you were just 
doing what you do. And but but that's why he him. had the the nine one one call though. That's why Kyle called the police. Like, are they but if there's no prince, Kyle? if there's no prince of you stabbing him, okay, I can maybe but, convince them that story is a little bit. Flimsy. Let's let's think about this. Let's think about this. Someone calls nine one one and says this person is going to stab me. Line goes dead. They show up at the place, even if he's not covered in blood, right? Like, even if even if he's taking the clothes off, like, like, or if he like, he just like looks normal, they're gonna be like, oh, he like put the clothes somewhere, like, I, like I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't ultimately be like convicted. Like, he probably wouldn't like get like an actual conviction for the crime. But, like, I think they'd at least like take him in for questioning. You know, like I think if you're standing next to I'm a man's not dead saying body that he wouldn't be i can come up with the story right now as to why kyle would have done that <laughs> here we here here we go kyle <laughs> liked mary mary is my girlfriend kyle was not well kyle did something crazy he wanted to put me in jail he thought he could survive it didn't work out for him there you go but then would betty back john up though like would betty say, like because betty knows kyle now like, do you think that she would have his John's back and be like, no, like this guy just came into town. Like he had this kind of weird interest in John and his friends. Or would she be like, yeah, no, it makes total sense that John would stab him to death. I think Betty's still in love with John and absolutely would still have thrown him under the bus. Yeah. She's been yeah. Making so many excuses. Or she wouldn't have said anything. I don't know. Unless she could, she could. I mean, she could show up as like his savior, whatever, and think she could get him back by like defending him. I don't know. I just think there's some unresolved feelings there for her. Ah, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> just a little. <laughs> and also, with that, like, stabbing moment, I don't think we discussed it earlier, but I just want to shout out poor Millie, who is just being given all the here <laughs> by this point. He's just tired. Opens the garage, and he's just sitting there with dead Kyle <laughs> in his blood, going, help me, help me. Like, come I on. Just, I just this like that he was just like, I didn't do this. Like, this wasn't me. And I like I know like why we should believe John, right? Like I understand that it wasn't him, and like there, there's all these like things pointing to his innocence. But like if I'm Millie, I'm like seriously, <laughs> in my garage, <laughs> like really. After she just set up like the clubhouse to be like all safe and everything, she's yeah. doing well. John's you know looked after. I've got this alarm system in place. Nothing bad can happen. <laughs> oh no. Oh dear. <laughs> Poor Millie. Uh, those well, are our two, uh, Winchester stupid moments for this week. <laughs> those are doozies. Those are some pretty. Those are, are some pretty stupid moments, actually. Shout out to Mal and Kaylin, who we have stolen the Winchester stupid straight from their <laughs> article, their recaps. Yes. If if you don't remember everything we're talking about, go read the recaps. They're great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they always have great information there. I read them myself when I have forgotten <laughs> the things that happened in the episodes. Um, and as usual, we have a bunch of new descriptions and images and all of that fun stuff up on Nerds and Beyond Now. So you can go ahead and read those. And speaking of descriptions, we have our next episode. So our next episode is not this week. They're skipping Valentine's Day, um, which is fair, I suppose. Um, and we're going right into the week after on February 21st. And I believe, let me actually confirm this. I'm pretty sure they're moving back to their original time slot that week, too. I think it does that sound right to you guys? I thought they were moving back to um 9 p.m. at some point. Yeah, I think so. I was really confused that it was switched to 8 p.m. again in the first place. Um 8 p.m. Eastern time because it was 8 p.m. for me after the move, <laughs> but whatever. So yes, this is this is moving back to 9 p.m. 
So everybody remember that when you're watching next week. Um, and uh, this description really makes me laugh because it feels it has the energy of when you're trying to finish an essay and you need to meet a word count. Uh, because I think that they don't want to reveal anything that's happening in this episode. <laughs> and so they're really trying to stretch out the description. Uh, so here we go. So it says, take a breath. In the aftermath of the fight with Gollum, Carlos, Mary, and Lata are cleaning the clubhouse when they hear a noise from outside. They creep out to investigate and spot a figure, but can't quite make it out until it turns. They're shocked to see John standing before them, covered in blood. Meanwhile, Carlos and Lata set out in search of something important. So that's vague. Um, <laughs> that's really vague. I don't know it how like I feel. Stage directions. I, I'm sure that's not what it's called in a television script, but <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It feels like the first beginning chunk that you read before the dialogue starts of like, here, here's <laughs> right. the scene. Let's set the scene for you. Yeah. So like half of the description is what we would have known, which is that John's covered in blood. <laughs> like, you just said when John turns up covered in blood. <laughs> Yeah, but they don't because they're trying to not reveal things. And then even like Carlos and Lanta looking for something important. Is that something Dean? Are they looking for the person in the photos? Because they must realize that he's the key to this whole thing. I feel like we're, we're what episode is the next one? 11? Aren't we due yeah, for some super special guest stars? Am I misremembering that? 11, 12, and 13, I think, are the episodes that are going to have the high potential for, like, a familiar character sighting. I know for certain that 13 is going to, but I think 11 and 12, too, they're going to have some some mysterious people show up. I feel like someone was hinting at someone showing up in 11, so... <laughs> we, we, we <laughs> They've been see. hinting all season. They've been, they've have. been baiting us with these episodes. I'm, I'll watch regardless, but I, I would like to see them find out a little bit more about, about Dean and what he's what he's doing. Well, that's our show for this week. Be sure to check back soon for our weekly coverage of the Winchesters. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SPN on the road pod and make sure to head over to at nerds and beyond for all your nerdy news. This week's episode was edited by Jules Thompson and produced by Brianna Lester, Kennedy Lynch and Jules Thompson for nerds and beyond. Our theme music is by Kennedy Lynch. 